Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. This morning, just for a few minutes, I want to talk about appearances. Our world is obsessed with exterior appearances. Jesus uh, spoke this about the Pharisees. He said, inside you're a tomb, unclean and unholy, but you've just figured out how to whitewash your exterior. You take a look at the Pharisees back in the day, and on the outside it looked like they walked in the presence of God and wanted him, but Jesus always looks past the exterior and goes to the heart How many people in scriptures had a horrible exterior, but they had a heart after God, and they changed history? And so I just want to talk about appearances for a moment. They're powerful. Um, They're impressive. Um, It's not lingo that we use a whole lot, but we love to look a certain way to give off a certain Vibe, and that tends to be what most of us, many of us, honestly, let's just be honest for a second, all of us actually care about too much. Um, have you ever met somebody that they, they seem humble, and that is the appearance? They wrap their life around that identity. They're a humble person. But once you get past the exterior, the exoskeleton, and you get to the inside, you actually see that this, this humility is actually just masquerading as insecurity. It's not actually humility. It's people are insecure, and so they kind of take this thing, and they pull themselves away. And in church, it works to say, look at that humility. Or have you ever known somebody that is on the inside, they are actually angry, But they have been able to construct a life so their perception is they're a man or a woman of action. Uh, One who gets it done. One who accomplishes a lot of things. But the driving force isn't a vision to see something accomplished. The driving force in their heart, it appears like they just love to see things get accomplished for the common good. But the reality is, is they are a rage monster on the inside. Appearances, guys, appearances. So many of us, man, and I tell you what, like I think that God is dismantling appearances and God is getting right to the heart. Like there's Davids all across this church. Maybe, uh, maybe men and women that your father would overlook, like your earthly father, maybe your earthly mother would overlook, but you've been in the hillside developing your heart. Oh, listen, being overlooked for a season is fantastic. You don't get to ride on your appearances. All your brothers, taller than you, they look more like kings than you do. But God looks at the heart. It is how he has always operated in. I just want to tell you, as as far as appearances go, um, I was thinking a lot about this as we were um, having the WIND conference. And if you missed it, this is genuinely from my heart. I'm, I'm sorry you did. Because God did such a beautiful thing here, guys. When you, when you give like three nights just to the adoration and the enjoyment of God, and then you just drink from a fire hose from fantastic people who love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, you get filled to a, a certain extent that you have nothing left to do but just give stuff away, and you become like a walking, a walking gift to the world. The wind conference was so fantastic, but when we're thinking about the wind, I think about our windmill. Do you know that our windmill, I get asked a lot about our windmill. Um, and uh, 
I was just on the phone with a guy the other day, and I was trying to explain to him where Providence was. And I said, you know, you just, if you're driving out of Hanover, you know, just kind of go towards Spring Grove. But before you, you know, reach the smell, I mean, the downtown, you, uh, you, you'll, you'll see a little Italian restaurant on your left. And then up on the hill, you'll see, you know, uh, you'll see a church building and stuff. He goes, oh, the place with the windmill. I've had that conversation with people maybe a hundred times. And on an appearance level, you look at our hill and you say, that church runs on wind energy, Right? How many people think that? We run on wind energy up here. Come on. But very few of us know that our windmill does not work. All right? It does not produce any energy whatsoever. All right? It looks great. Sometimes it looks so fantastic that when the, the clouds are beautiful in the sky and they're super white and they're, they're, they're popping out because of the brilliant blue background, and then you've got this beautiful windmill standing right there. Something you take pictures of it. It's kind of like you visit the Vatican or you visit places in Europe where there, where there stand these beautiful churches with these ornate steeples and gargoyles, right? And these beautiful places where worship used to happen, but it no longer happens there. But still you take a picture of the structure and you say, wow. And as we were at Wind Conference, I was thinking about God. It would be... <laughs> Whew, it would be the worst if we said we run on wind power here. We run on Holy Spirit power. You know you can't be a Jesus church if the power is not the Holy Spirit. You can't will your heart to treasure Jesus. It, it is supernatural where it's nothing, all right? I think many people drive by and they say, man, that church runs on wind power, physically speaking. But that windmill is not converting any wind to energy, it doesn't work. It's so old that they don't even make the parts for it to fix it, all right? So right now, what it does, it stands there, and it, and it declares something. But sometimes, you know what? Some, really, what it is for most people is an appearance. It's, it, it's saying, we run on wind here, we run on wind here, but the reality is it produces no energy. And guys, I'm skipping all this stuff, but here's what I'm telling you. There's a parable. I can't get into it today, but it's in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. And Jesus tells a parable about a fig tree that he planted in a vineyard. And his, his desire, he planted it in the vineyard to be fruitful. That's why you plant a fig tree. If you plant an orange tree, you don't plant the orange tree for the leaves. You plant it for the fruit. If you plant a banana tree, I know I'm getting tropical here, all right? If you have a you know, papaya tree or what, whatever kind of tree that you can plant and make work in your backyard, if it's fruit-bearing, you're not just planting it for the leaves and the structure and what it does for the birds. You're planting it for the fruit that it produces. And Jesus planted a fig tree in his vineyard. And he waited for three years in this parable. And you know that the three years, I think he's, he's speaking to Israel because often, most of the time, when, when God is using a fig tree as an example, uh, the fig tree is representative of Israel. You look at uh, uh, you know, multiple times in the Old Testament, I think the book of Micah, chapter 9, you see all the times that the fig tree is Israel. And here Jesus gives the fig tree three years to produce fruit. Do you know that Jesus was on the earth for three years? All right, three years. I'm giving you my, Jesus is like literally giving you my life away. Like, like for three years I'm giving you. And the problem is in three years, the fig tree did not produce any fruit. Let me tell you this. It looked like a fig tree, smelled like a fig tree, 
Birds couldn't tell the difference necessarily unless they came hungry and there was no fruit there, but they still perched in its branches. It still gave off shade. You had to come up really close and kind of look at it like close and say, does this tree actually produce fruit? And Jesus says about this fig tree, he's like, you know what? It's wasting the ground. Dig it up. And a vine dresser comes. How many people, you know, you need a vine dresser in your life. The vine dresser comes and he goes, hold on, just let's give it one more year. What I'll do is I'll dig down to its roots, all right? In other words, let me get to this thing's heart. Let me put water down where this thing lives. Hey, let's not give up on this thing yet. And then I'll take the best nutrients, the best soil, and I'll pack it around there. And Jesus says, let's do it. Let's give it another year. How many people know that we serve an exceptionally patient God? (laughs) She's like, you know what? Another year. Let's give it another year. But I want to see fruit on this thing. When Jesus was riding into Jerusalem, the week that he was betrayed by a close friend and hung on the tree for our sins, um, he actually cursed a fruit uh, fig tree and it withered up right there. May you never produce fruit again, he said. Withered at the word of God. Do you know that fruit trees need to produce fruit like wind, windmills need to produce wind? Right? You hear this? My question here is this. I'm, I, I, I wish I have so much to share with you. Let me, do you know what the spirit of God blowing on sons and daughters produces? I know there's lots of fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, all these things. But do you know what? Do you know what? Like back in the day when the Pharisees in Jesus' day, the Pharisees worshipped the law. They were trying to produce their own righteousness. And Jesus came bringing the kingdom, healing people and touching people and seeing people that were banished by the religious leaders. And Jesus came bringing the kingdom. And do you know what the the Pharisees did when Jesus brought the kingdom that went against their man-made law? That where they were trying to produce their own righteousness is they got indignant at Jesus. How could you break our law? And Jesus, Jesus says this. It's so beautiful, man. I wish I could get into it. Luke chapter 13 right here. Jesus says this. Actually, let me read this. Luke chapter 13, starting with verse 14. After he, after he just cast a demon out of a woman who is crippling her for 18 years. And the religious leaders can't be happy and overjoyed. Look at the kingdom crashing on the face of our earth. But look at verse 14. It says, but the ruler after this healing, the ruler of the synagogue, a, a synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Man, have you ever, ever known a person like this? Don't you just want to slap them and, and you know, knee them where it counts? Don't you really want to do that? Come on those days and be healed. Not on the Sabbath day. If you read the Bible, you see that Jesus had to teach the people, wait a second, you weren't made for the Sabbath, you were made for me. The Sabbath was made for you. All right? But here, this guy has everything backwards. He has the cart before the horse. He's saying, no, no, you can't be healed. Like, like we have to serve the Sabbath. No, God didn't give us the law so we could serve the law. God gave us the law so we could see that we can't obey it and we need Jesus. That's all. We have to have someone obey the law for us perfectly. We cannot produce our own righteousness from this law. It it cannot be done. Well, the Pharisees don't know this. And when Jesus is breaking down all the cultural norms, they're just like, they're angry at him. They're angry at him. Oh, church, let's not be angry when someone gets free. 
Let's not be angry when someone gets delivered. Let's not be angry when someone testifies to healing, mistrusting them. But we gotta, we, let's not partner with a Pharisaic spirit. Let's partner, man, with the, with the heart of Jesus. And here Jesus says in verse 16 of Luke chapter 13, And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, look at that, Satan bound this lady for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And he said these things, and all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. When Jesus comes on the scene and he breaks down laws and rituals that men made, traditions that men serve, and he brings healing and he brings the kingdom to people that were bound by the devil for much of their life. The, what happens is joy. Can you hear this? I really believe that the tip of the spear is joy. And do you know what, the, what 2 Corinthians says? Is the, the 2 Corinthians says that, here, here's the fruit I'm talking about. The, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Now, this is actually in the original context talking about freedom from the law. You don't have to produce your own righteousness. You can receive it. People were bound to that concept. We have to be good enough for God. And that is not true. There's freedom where the Spirit is because now the, the Spirit is changing our hearts to become like God. But I believe in these days, especially in this area, I don't know if there's something demonic, territorial, something here, but it seems like South Central Pennsylvanians are so scared to feel and so scared to trust and so scared to have an emotion and so scared to laugh and so scared to cry and so scared to be seen as weak and so scared. And do you know what this is? This is, this is actually literal bondage. And we've called it our personality. We've even tried to theologize it and call it, you know, just a responsibility in worship. But it's irresponsible. It is irresponsible to, to not enjoy the God who saved you. I really believe, I really believe in these days that what the Spirit is doing, like, I want the church, like, listen, that, that physical windmill can be as still as it wants, but our, us as a church, as a spiritual windmill, we have to, we have to be ready. We have to have our, our pre-qualified yes, that Holy Spirit, when you come, which is way more often than we recognize, when you come and soul changing, life-altering, world-wrecking power. We will spin. We will catch the wind. I feel that so many of us, we, there's a battle in our hearts. Like, I feel it. I feel it. Like, I, I grew up in, a, in a, uh, a tradition. It was like a Brethren in Christ church where if you showed much emotion, you just can't do that. Every once in a while, there'd be a Pentecostal lady on the front that kind of taps her toe and kind of raises one hand. Everybody's like, wow. Well, I don't, I don't know. Just let's keep this tame. But in the kingdom, it's just not like that. People get healed and dance and people go crazy. All right. So here's, remember a few weeks ago, I spoke on worship. And I told you that the Sunday was coming where we're going to jump with the pastor. All right. Do you remember that? Well, this is that Sunday. <laughs> Woo! Come on. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, all right? And, and prepare your hearts right now. I think some of you just heard that and you had diarrhea just now, all right? I'm serious. Do you know what that diarrhea was? It's called fear. You know where fear comes from? Not Jesus, all right? All right, listen. We need a little more diarrhea in the church, all right? We, we really do. We need to just be comfortable with it a little bit more. And here's what we're doing. Like, I, I'm gonna be here. If I am by my lonesome self, 
I'm going to jump. All I'm asking for is two minutes. That's 120 seconds. I'm going to jump my brains out right here, all right? And I'm just asking you, some of you, you just, you just, you've, you can't lift a hand in church. Your heart is being out of your chest. You're about to, your, your chest. You feel like you're going to have an aneurysm. You never considered yourself anything but uh, just proper. I'm telling you, proper is not good theology. Like today's the day. Here's what I think will happen. I think if you're afraid of it, that means you need to do it. All right? And today's the day. Hey, guys, I'm going to take this off. Come right now. We're going to jump. Listen, not listen, not jump with the pastor. We're jumping for Jesus. Let's declare that. This is for you. This is for you. We ready? Hey, there's more people that need to come right now. If you're feeling scared about it, let me just be your big brother and encourager. Like right now. Listen, let, if you got a bad knee, let's put the knee out right now. Bad hip, it doesn't matter. Can we do this? Woo! Everybody shout. Come on. checking out our sermon of the week if you have questions or would like to get connected download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org